Welcome to Pawnee Language Learning. This is your Body Pakuru podcast. Nawa Akitaru, let's talk about ancient Pawnee land today. If you want to learn more about the Pawnee tribe and you hop online, you will usually find something that says the Pawnee tribe is originally from central Nebraska and northern Kansas. And while this is true, before they settled in these areas, they traveled the plains for centuries, probably thousands of years. They traveled as a group, and other groups would break off. You have a group breaking off from the original group and going north and becoming the Arikara tribe. Then you have a group breaking off, settling more in the central area that became the Skidi, later the Skidi band of the Pawnee Nation. The other groups settled a little bit south of that and became the south bands of what is now the Pawnee tribe. And then the last group broke off and moved even farther south and became the Wichita people. So this whole process happens over many, 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 many years. And yes, they eventually did settle in central Nebraska and northern Kansas. But even after they settled, built earth lodges, and created villages and towns, they still traveled. They traveled to hunt. They traveled to gather raw materials, and they traveled to visit sacred sites. So let's see if we can get a better idea of where they were. Now, there's a lot of information out there, and not all of it is congruent. Not all of it agrees with other information. We almost lost our history. We came very, very close to losing all of our history. And several people have tried to record it, tried to revive it, rediscover it, piece it back together again. Indigenous archaeology is a very new field. The interest of oral histories and putting the history back together again is also fairly new. So it is, it is an evolving, fluid process. So you'll read something here and something there, What we know this year builds upon what we thought we knew last year. So I'm just going to share a little bit of what I found, and I'm going to give you resources in the notes so that you can dive deeper if you want to. I'm going to be relying on the work of Roger Echohawk. He is a Pawnee historian and a writer and an artist, and he wrote one of the things that he wrote is a three-book series called The Enchanted Mirror, and I'll be referring to his first book, Ancient Pawnee Land, through this. I'm also going to rely on the work of Dr. Carlton Shield Chief Gover. He is an indigenous archaeologist, also Pawnee, and Matt Reed, Pawnee, and he is the tribal historical preservation officer for the Pawnee Nation of Oklahoma. So the earliest reference to Pawnee territory, I'm going to call it Pawnee land. Roger Echohawk calls it Pawnee land, and I like that. So the earliest reference to ancient Pawnee land can be found in the 1848 diary of William Tappan. Interviewing a Pawnee leader named Saristaris, an American expedition asked about ancient Pawnee history, and they received this answer, and I'm going to quote it here. On asking Cheri Staric what he knew of the early history of his tribe, that the history was in a measure lost by their forefathers, but as far as they knew, they first lived on the Rio Grande with the Pawnee Picts. 
and they were one nation until one day they offended the great spirit of the buffalo, and they left for the north. The Pawnee Picts are what we used to refer to as the Wichita people. And it gives us some clues here. You know, they first lived on the Rio Grande, but the Rio Grande is a really big river. Rio Grande, big river. It, you know, goes from the southwest corner of Colorado into northern central New Mexico, down the southern border of Texas. It's really long, so it's still kind of vague. But if we turn to an 1866 report made by Daniel Wheeler, and he was a U.S. agent for the Pawnee, he says, The old men of the tribe inform me that the Pawnees formerly lived in the southern portion of what is now a part of the United States. That is in a portion of New Mexico. They have no distinct idea of their numbers at that time, only that the Pawnees were like the buffalo, elk, and deer on the plains, almost innumerable. They claim that at that time they owned and controlled all the land between the Rio Grande and the Platte Rivers. In the Pawnee language, we find a lot of place names, and those also give us clues to the extent of ancient Pawnee land. For example... There is both a South Band and a Skeedy reference to the Rocky Mountains. It's not even a reference. They named those mountains. The South Band called them those distant rocks in a line. And the Skeedy called them those rocks extending in the distance. And Roger Echohuck further explains that the Rocky Mountains are not just the western border of ancient Pawnee land, but the foothills were ancestral homelands. In 1889, a skeedy man named Bear Chief, he told George Bird Grinnell, We used to roam over the country, clear up to the mountains. The money paid us is not half enough for the land. And Grinnell also left notes that Bear Chief described a country that sounded an awfully lot like Yellowstone Park. There are Pawnee names for a lot of mountains and peaks. For example, the Pawnee Buttes in Colorado were called head covered with soft, downy feathers. There's the mountain that touches the sky, which is Pikes Peak, and there's Lady Fire Inside, which, is the, which are the Spanish peaks. This gives us a better idea of ancient Pawnee land. And Matt Reed, in his line of work, he's talked about working on archaeological sites of earth lodges that have been carbon dated to 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years years ago. Now these would be the ancestral Pawnees, you know, the, the people who are the ancestors of the Pawnee that we think of today. But I've heard him say several times that we have always been here. The Pawnee people have always been here. Our origin story supports this as well. I'm not going to tell the whole origin story. It needs an episode all to itself. But a very condensed version of the story is, in the beginning was Tita Wahut. Now, Titawahut is not God as the Western God is portrayed. I've listened to several people try to explain what Titawahut is, and I've come up with Titawahut is the life-giving power of the heavens, it is the ruling power of the heavens, and it is a mysterious power to humans. So I guess it would be the mysterious, ruling, life-giving power of the heavens. But Tidawahut created the stars and the celestial beings first, created many other things. It's a very long story. 
created earth and then he compelled morning star and evening star to come together to create the first human evening star is female we know her as venus and morning star is male we know him as mars morning star travels across the heavens and you can see mars traveling across the heavens and he goes to the western heavens where evening star is he has to overcome many obstacles put in his way by Evening Star before he finally reaches her lodge. But he does reach her lodge, and she does eventually let him in, and they create the first human. And this is a little girl. And they send this little girl to Earth in a tornado. And Matt Reed says that they have identified this place. It is a place near Palmer, Nebraska. And then Tirawahut compelled the sun and the moon to come together. The sun is male and the moon is female, and they did come together, an eclipse, and they created the first little boy. And he was also sent to earth in a tornado. And these two became the first two Pawnee people. So the Pawnee people were created on the plains. We've always been Plains Indians. Other tribes who are considered Plains Indians actually migrated in, usually from the east, but from the north as well. And I think Carlton Gover puts it best when he says, when you think of the original Plains Indians, that's us. That's the Cadoan people, the ancestors of the Arikara, the Pawnee, and the Wichita. Now, every once in a while on Facebook and other social media, you'll see these maps that go around, you know, that have North America and all the original tribes on it. And I have yet to find one that that's accurate. There was one floating around a couple months ago that didn't even have Pawnee on it at all. So it irritates me when those go around. But Carlton Gover found a map that he shows on one of his videos, and it is called Indian Tribes and Linguistic Stock in 1650. And I will put that in the notes as well. And if you look at that, it gives a, a much more accurate picture of where these Cadoan people were. So, yes, eventually, the people that we now call Pawnee did settle in Nebraska and Kansas. Our cousins, the Arikara, are in the Dakotas, and our cousins, the Wichita, are in New Mexico and northern Texas. Our ancestors lived and hunted from the Missouri River to the front range of the Rocky Mountains. From New Mexico up into Colorado, and they've even found pottery in southern Wyoming. Now, you don't usually think of the Pawnee being in Colorado. You don't usually think of the Pawnee being in New Mexico. But we were. We were. Take a look at that map when you get a chance. Ancient Pawnee land was vast. And we will talk more about this next time. Kustuchirakire. Pawnee Language Learning, the Pari Pakuru podcast, was produced, recorded, and slightly edited by Kelly Cedarfield. A transcript of this episode is available on the Substack website. Any and all profit that may occur with this podcast will be donated to the Pawnee Language Program in Pawnee, Oklahoma. <laughs>